you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the League Podcast may have connections to the Illuminati. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hensis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Yeah. It's Friday. Mark's funny today. He got a haircut. Ooh. Yeah, he did. And a new shirt. I got. I did the thing where I knew I had to come in here, uh-huh. and so... You know, you get a haircut. Uh, usually I go home and take a shower because I have hair all over me and my neck and stuff. Mm. I asked this <laughs> goth-dressed little punk woman to give me a, uh, like a little hair wash, a little thing before I came in mm. here. I'm glad that you mentioned that because Mark goes to a, a local chain establishment, Floyd's, to get his haircut. I go a, as well, uh, Greg, you do, and Wes, I don't know. You don't go to a barber, excuse me. Sorry to make things awkward. <laughs> Sorry to bring that, that up. That was outrageous. Out. Uh, there's a guy named Camille on Sepulveda here in uh, Culver City who is he's all business. He cuts your hair. He uh, plays gentle, um, like, babbling brook-type music with strings, like medieval times music. Doesn't really talk to you. Nice and tight, in-and-out, cash-only business. That seems like a Sessler well, let's type. Let's not get him in well, trouble with the IRS here. Damn. I'm almost surprised you don't Watch go it. where I go because Lots it's of- like you've got like punk rock girls cutting your hair. You've got like sex pistols playing at high volumes. She, not your style. Can it I, isn't my style. Can I broker a trade here? You should. That's I mean, gotta- Mark needs the new agey place. Mm. I, I'm perfectly happy. What, Listen, is, I, you don't, what is your style? Your style right now is a, an athletic running shirt underneath a half-button shirt. That's a con- it's a confusing combo. Don't try to put me in a box, Greg. That's, that's sort of the style I'm... I'm that's what we'll you're saying. A, maybe we'll put a picture of Mark up with his new haircut on the Around the League page. Yeah, yeah. One yeah. thing I was going to say, though, shirt. as I was getting the, this, my hair wash, right, she puts this like wet towel, Ooh. swirls it over your face so you can see nothing, and you fade into the ether, and I had this weird vision. What I think Greg was... Hold on, Wes. <laughs> I had a vision... Of Andrew Luck in the AFC Championship game warming up. Ooh. And then she ripped the towel off my head, threw me up, and I'm paying there for it. it I'm out the door. All right. Where is but the game? But it was game? like in a dream. It was in a cold, wow, snowy what a setting. Sessler this mm. is. It I, was in a cold setting. It was not in the dome. New England, that sounds oh. like to me. You know, I, I think, think so. what Greg was saying, you should have left that turquoise shirt in your shirt closet. Oh. <laughs> Fair. All right. Fair. All right, gentlemen. Mark, thank you for coming in. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, we have a big show today. Very excited. We have a guest on the phone a little bit later, the great Greg Cosell of NFL Films. Uh, he has been on our show before. He always gives us a lot of great insight, whether it's uh, watching game tape of uh, NFL games or college prospects. In this case, he's going to tell us about some college guys with the draft rapidly approaching. Well, I wouldn't say rapidly. It's We're limping toward the draft. We're still two weeks away. Mark, you and I should be in New York right now covering the draft, but we're we're not yet because of the different schedule this year. But Greg is going to enlighten us. Greg, Greg not Greg you. Cosell. Greg Cosell. I have never enlightened anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. But before we get to Greg, the other Greg, uh, we do what we always do during the offseason. The gold standard behind the glass. How are you, buddy? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Dan, you wished me a happy Friday three times so far today, and I want to wish you one back because I haven't done that yet. Well, so happy Friday. Still just three what one, good buddy. Good will between the two yeah. of you. That's nice. a good we, connection. We have a great working relationship, and it comes through in the podcast, I like to think. Zach, let's do some news. Let's do it. And Dominican Sue, will he be traded? Unknown, but we wrote about it anyway. <laughs> Probably not. on the Around the League blog. Kevin Patcher wrote about it. I guess there have been some talks. Bleacher reports. Mike Freeman reported Friday that the Lions have conversed with other teams about a trade of the uh, Pro Bowl defensive tackle. Are we buying into this at all, gentlemen? Hold on. The only quote in the entire story is those talks are, in quotes, not even serious. No, they were doing <laughs> due Just go with it, Mark. diligence. Sorry. But isn't it? At least worth asking, is it that crazy to see what a guy like Sue could get you when he's costing you that much money and you're playing that much money to Stafford and Johnson? I don't think it's that crazy. I don't think it'll happen. I think NFL teams are constantly doing due diligence on all of their players, and the media gets a hold of reports and they get blown up, but this is natural. And I just I just hope, because nothing bothered me more this week than talking heads and you know reports on, on the Internet of people going after Sue for skipping the voluntary workouts this week, oh. which he's been doing uh, his whole career so far, and all of a sudden now it's like, oh, that's the reason why this guy hasn't developed. You know, forget all that. And if that's where this report came out of, then I don't put any stock in it whatsoever. Don't even get me started on this one. They're voluntary, first of all, which means you don't have to be there. Right. Second of all, every single time something like this happens in April, the coach in August says, yeah, that was no big deal. It didn't really matter. We're in training camp right. now. That's what matters. Is Sue known to come into camp as a big fat pig or something? Did I miss no. something? No. And you want to talk about how a professional. we should be in New York and the draft should be today or yesterday and today. That's what we're getting. We got this extra two weeks of cushion nothingness. So that suddenly makes this a big deal. They're voluntary. But the podcast, two extra weeks of the podcast ahead of the draft. Got to gold. It's gold. And it's fine. And there's, there's no filler involved with that. Crazy. I'm just telling you how I see it. Crazier things have happened. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of the NFL draft, because because we, we feel the NFL things must be changed at all times, the NFL draft might increase to four days, according to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, who <laughs> um, told NFL media's Jeff Darlington in, in, in an interview, good good get, Jeff, that the NFL will consider stretching the annual draft from three days to four. Uh, the amount of rounds won't change. It will stay at seven. I don't, I don't know why we would do this. Uh, Roger Goodell knows more about the NFL than I do. But I, I see the Thursday, Friday, Saturday is a fine, a fine setup for the draft. When I'm sitting there Saturday afternoon in the middle of the fifth round and Dan's back is in all sorts of pain <laughs> and we haven't heard of a player that's been drafted in the last round or two because we just don't know who they are, I'm always thinking, let's stick this out another day. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, well, let's extend this, How baby. would it work? So my guess, if I had a guess, it would be, Round one would stay in its own day, but then round two would get its own day. That would probably be... And like, round three its own day? No, I, I think it would probably be two gets its own day, th- <laughs> three and four gets its own day, and oh, then five, on. six, seven. Who's gonna, that makes sense. Who's going to five, six, seven? Greg thinks we should have it one day, one round per day. What else and do, do we... do it the whole week. What oh, else God. do we have to do? <laughs> one round a day. Let's make this baby a week. What are what are we doing the rest of the why offseason? Not stretch why? this out to fifty why or not? sixty days while we're why not? at it. Why not? Why do we do who needs an offseason? One pick per day, day after the Super Bowl, first overall pick, straight that, through to September. That sounds exciting. I'll make, I'll that make that you a deal. Like fun. I'll take a week long draft if we get rid of every mock draft 
produced there you go. in the lead up to it. Except for Greg Cosell's. <laughs> I saw a mock draft 9.0 today. Right. right. <laughs> it's, it's officially out of control. I just right. feel bad for whoever wrote that because Jesus. that means that they, they don't want to be writing 9.0. This, sure this, they do. They love this stuff. This draft <laughs> four-day thing and then eventually seven days is getting closer also to my big schedule proposal that I'm excited about that we're going to have at least two NFL games or at least one NFL game every day on the calendar from September through December. <laughs> Mark so Cuban, I'm not giving up on this. Mark Cuban just took a hit out on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the gold standard behind the glass was pitching a schedule, not even a tweak, a complete mm. reworking of the National mm. Football League. I don't feel like we need to get into it right now. Definitely not. Yeah, because it's not ready. It feels like it, it was a little it's half-baked. half-baked. Yeah. It's very we'll half-baked. Wait till uh, July. It has potential, though. It does have it's potential. It's very kind to of you. We, we'll spend a week on it in July when we really have nothing to talk Perfect. about. Happy Friday. Zach. Hey, Dan. All right, you guys are getting you have a weird. Good Friday too, my <laughs> the NFL will test PATs from the 15-yard line, not the 20 in the preseason. That makes I'm going to do some math on the fly here. It's about a 33-yard extra point now, and we're getting to the point now where what's the point, right? Point, point, point. I don't know why. What my question is this: <laughs> If you're going to do this for two weeks in the preseason, why are we being so timid? What is the difference? <laughs> Kick it from the 20 and see if it works. Wasn't it just to see, let's stretch boundaries, let's experiment with the extra point, and they can't, they have to hem it in five yards because they're scared the kickers won't be successful at some rate? Wasn't the rate what is- extremely high from the 20 anyways? So now they're just basically trying to make it as guaranteed as possible that they make it. I don't understand that. This, again, this, this upset I- you greatly yesterday. It doesn't. Ex- it just seems to me it's what Wes pointed out yesterday, which is true, is that coaches in general don't want to be moved out of what is essentially comfortable, time tested, and taught down through the ages. And this is a little too excitable for them. Unless it's we're Belichick. Taught- it's well, exactly. He proposed a twenty-five. That's the thing. We have already moved it insane. in so far that oh, what the great. Patriots were trying to do no. initially doesn't even exist at this point. Cancel the whole thing. It's stupid. The NFL is a lost ball in high weeds on this issue. Right. Everyone, well, you're right, though. Coaches are. Shadowy league figure checks in, <laughs> gives Wes a glare, and walks out of the room. Teams That's are always so against change. I mean, when they brought up that they got to get rid of the head slap, they, there was, you know, a very popular maneuver that basically defensive linemen just hit other guys in the head as hard as possible. When they brought up that. Hey, maybe we should get rid of that part of the game. Everyone's like, no, that's going to ruin the game. we got to keep the old head slap in. Isn't this I the most boring play, <laughs> arguably potentially the most boring play in sports, the extra point? Yeah. Yes. And Goodell's well, talk, though. We want to we spice it up, and so that, but they won't do it. So then well, spice actually, it up, I agree. every baseball play possible. Oh. That's more boring. That's even, fair. I would say. Wow. <laughs> Shots fired <laughs> just... by the fan of the defending World Series champions. How quickly you forget team brought you a lot of joy in October. I, they can bring me joy. It's still a boring sport. All right. Nonsense. Herschel Walker says he could still play in the NFL. <laughs> Herschel Walker is 52 years old. Speaking of the offseason, let's talk about Herschel Walker. If we were another website, we'd be forced to go into chapter and verse on whether Herschel Walker really could still play at age 52. But when I wrote this, I thought it was more about a chance to show people who Herschel Walker was now that he's remembered almost solely as the guy who was 
on the losing end of the most lopsided trade in NFL history. So who was Herschel Walker, Chris Weston? He was basically what everybody thinks Bo Jackson was. Mm. Bo Jackson had a much shorter career. Herschel Spicy. Walker was a much more well-rounded football player and had the same kind of blend of power and speed. Uh, dominated the USFL. If we had more USFL game clips out there, Herschel Walker would be celebrated as one of the best players ever to take the field. He would be like the Jadavian Clowney versus his the high school clips that we had. Yes. In fairness to Bo Jackson also, career wiped out at about age 26 by that hip injury. He was pretty special. They were probably similar athletes. There wasn't a big disconnect in terms of who was a better all-around athlete. I, I agree. I'm good. not trying to sell Bo short, but I think it's a fact that like many musicians or many athletes, the, his career was cut short, and that's made him more celebrated. Mm. He's a James what, Dean, essentially. What do you remember about Walker like in terms of his playing style and his career? Like he, watching him. I remember, well, he was first in, incredible kick returner, incredible receiver, so natural athlete. But I think just seeing him hit hit a pile and then run away, you'd see no, no defensive backs in the picture. He would just blow past them after he'd already hit a few linebackers. He was just faster than everybody on the field. He is the reason that I became a football fan, actually. I had a, a great friend wow. named hubba, Peter hubba. Acton who was a huge Cowboys fan. Got, and he got me into Herschel Walker just before he came to the Cowboys. He was from that era where running backs would wear those massive shoulder oh, yeah. pads. But he also was the fastest guy on the field, by far the best athlete at times. And Wes and I had a long talk yesterday. I used to sit in my kitchen, this was at an early age, making Herschel Walker shrinky dinks. One mm. after the other. Like, Are you too young dinks? for shrinky dinks? Yeah. I, I, re- I remember Shrinky Dinks. No, we had Shrinky Dinks. Maybe. I don't think I had them. It's like there. made out of uh, a plastic material. Yeah. And Mark Mark and I were both talking about We had Super Friends Shrinky Dinks. Sh- Super Friends was my favorite show until I was probably oh, like yeah. eight years old. About superheroes. <laughs> oh, I do remember that. Yeah, so we would, you would you put these plastic things in the oven and they shrink. Mm. This is what passed for fun back in 1979. I do kind of vaguely remember Super that. Super Friends was the... Poor antecedent to the Laugh Olympics. Do you guys remember that one? They that were was around. A great one. They were in the same the same area, like <laughs> the same time. Fleeing in droves. <laughs> no, Super I, Friends was not poor man's anything. It the was Laugh Olympics had the really rotten. Laugh Olympics was great. Yeah, I liked the Laugh Olympics. <laughs> I was a He-Man Thunder. We have got. Oh come on. Who who would have thought that Herschel Walker would have gotten us off the track? By the way, there, you cannot convince me if you give. Herschel Walker, 80 carries, and you give Peyton Hills 80 carries, there's going to be a big difference in the production level. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll close it on that. Wait, you disagree? Herschel Walker is one of the greater running backs. No, he means the 52-year-old version. He means now. Oh, 52. I thought, yeah. now. Right I thought you were now. making that an actual <laughs> in-prime comparison. I was just no, right stunned now. by oh, that. hell no. Nobody touches oh, Peyton I, Hills 2010. Oh, I, think her, I completely think if you put Herschel Walker out there for a uh, – you know, a fair helping of carries, he could help your team. The picture that they used with the, the article he wrote was scary. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's had two MMA bouts and beat the crap out of both guys. Would you take At a 52-year-old 50. Herschel Walker or last year's Willis McGahee? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I hope these guys aren't listening right now. All right, moving on, our college football 24-7 gang who've uh, been doing great work. Chase Goodred writes about Johnny Manziel, who reportedly is a possibility for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, ESPN reported that a potential marriage between Manziel and the Buccaneers could happen. Interesting, team that acquired Josh McCown, have M- Mike Lennon in-house. 
would Manziel actually where would he fit in there? I guess somewhere. I think he'd fit in nicely. If I mean, he's your answer, those other guys don't even matter. Right. Mm. right. Ian Rappaport, you know, threw out there that the Bucks are one of those teams to watch out for as a surprise team to take a quarterback in the first round and I think Ooh, it's I like funny that. Jeff Tedford and Manziel together, maybe. That, well, and I think that, that it, and Johnny Football is the kind of guy that needs to. It, it does probably matter who your coordinator is and what kind of offense you're running to make the most out of him early. But you know, a year ago it was our Greg Cosell friend who's about to come on that took Mike Glennon and said, "This is the guy that has that NFL arm. He's got that arm strength. He can make all the throws." One year later, career and total potential tailspin, and shows how quick these things change. Wouldn't he be? An unbelievably better version of Josh McCown. Aren't they kind of similar? Johnny Football? I mean, Josh McCown's got a a nice arm. He's a guy who's better at improvising overall in his career. He's very athletic. He's extremely athletic. He's kind of a similar guy. I haven't as a much watched better. enough Johnny Manziel, but I always thought it was more like a better version of Doug Flutie. Hmm. Or a much smaller, quicker version of Big Ben. Yeah, well... I'm just saying McCown is unbelievably athletic. He's very good after the play breaks down, and he's a guy who's been good, I think, at improvising throughout his career. He's got he's a toolsy type of guy that hasn't been a great quarterback. Does Mike Glennon loom that. as a trade, a guy that's going to get traded? I think yeah, so. I guess so. Fun fact, Josh McCown hates Drake. So connect some more dots there. Is that I don't know if that's a joke or not. That I guess it's not a joke because it'd be so bizarre. No, it's if you it, just made it up. It's a joke because Drake and Johnny Manziel have a. Drake is a rapper, Wes. Well, I we know, know that Drake part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it wasn't the best joke, but you don't have to sell well, me we, down the river. No, really. I'm not. We don't get it though. It's, I know it's gonna. All rip. right, Josh McCown doesn't have a great relationship with Drake. Johnny Manziel does. But we never knew about the yeah, Manziel Drake. Thing. I thought you meant. Like Josh McCown really doesn't like. Wait, you don't know that Manziel and Drake hang out as friends? I knew, I yeah, I knew. I knew they've been spotted okay. in Toronto together. Oh I didn't God. even know that. But I did, But Josh McCown's like a religious <laughs> dude. Maybe he has issues with Drake. I don't know. I apologize for ruining the show. No, it was not your fault. It was my fault. I I thought everybody knew that Drake and Manziel. Did you know Gold Standard? I just assume Drake's friends with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just move on. By the way, is it concerning to anyone that the gold standard is now funnier than any of us on the show? <laughs> yeah. Aww, you're a deer. It's a, it's a yeah, problem. It always issue. was. <laughs> um, all right, finally, some news. Former Dolphins and Colts great Earl Morrill passed away on Friday at the age of 79. Chris Wessling, you wrote up a really nice piece on the Around the League page looking back at him, likening him to the NFL's version of Forrest Gump. Tell us about that. You know how Mark likes to use the word literally? Yes. This guy's <laughs> career was literally incredible. You wouldn't believe it. Somebody tells you what his career was like, and you're like, no, that's not even possible. Literally incredible. He was the Forrest Gump of the NFL. He was the backup quarterback for Fran Tarkenton, Y.A. Tittle, Bob Greasy, Johnny Unitas, Len Dawson, five Hall of Famers, then went on to be MVP in 1968 when Johnny Unitas got hurt, took the Colts to the Super Bowl, was the losing quarterback in the greatest upset in NFL history, uh, won AFC Player of the Year four years later with the Dolphins. He was basically Don Shula's leprechaun. Whenever he needed to pull somebody out, help him through a season, Earl Morrow was that guy. That's not even including things like at Michigan State – won the Rose Bowl, and then went and played in the College World Series. This guy had an incredible life. In the 1980s, he goes to the University of Miami and develops Jim Kelly, Bernie Kosar, and Vinny Testaverde mm. as quarterbacks coach. And I mean, and he started and, of course, won every game on 
one of the most famous teams of all time, the undefeated 72 Dolphins. And then that year, he wins the first ever Comeback Player of the Year award. They should just call it the Earl Morrill Award. Wait, Chad Pennington didn't win that year? It was in uh, Miami. <laughs> I was gonna. I ended this article saying we should put him in the Hall of Fame. I think I'm going to change it to let's make the Comeback Player of the Year award the Earl Morrill Award. Yeah. Well, that's fair. That makes sense. And, you know, as, as a Jet fan growing up, all I really knew – of Earl Morrill was that he was the quarterback that Joe Namath beat in the Super Bowl, and he actually got benched in that game. They brought in uh, sore arm Johnny Unitas, uh, but he was the MVP that year, and you know his legacy definitely should be more than just being a backup or the guy that lost Super Bowl three. And and Wes, I thought you put it well that this guy was a very interesting uh, player in the history of the league. I think they should make a movie out of his life. Nine point two yards per attempt in that nineteen sixties. Nine point two. That is double. The Gabbert zone. That should be the moral zone over nine. <laughs> Who gets 9.2? That's an incredible and number. I Led think, the league by far. I think the 11 games when he replaced Greasy during the undefeated season, he averaged 9.1. And he was six foot one. so today they'd say he's too short to play. Incorrect. Well, no, Namath was out of bounds, by the way. Going into that Super Bowl, he said moral wouldn't even have been a top five quarterback in the AFL. That, that, those were the salad days of trash talking. Imagine, <laughs> yeah, he's playing those mind imagine games. if Peyton Manning going into the Super Bowl last year said, Russell Wilson wouldn't have even been a top five quarterback in our conference. Peyton, that Manning, thinks. Peyton Manning doesn't say interesting things. <laughs> right. <laughs> he uh, created that in athletes. We're not allowed to say anything interesting anymore, and now Russell Wilson's the same way. You're hanging that on Peyton? Yes, I think Ooh. Peyton Manning is one of the great he, – he made an art out of – Spin control and making sure your image stays white bread pure and never say anything controversial. And it's made athletes a lot more boring. It's all on you, How Peyton. dare you, Peyton Manning. <laughs> Monster. All right, that's the end of the news. We've got a special guest on the line right now. He is senior producer for NFL Films. He's been doing that for 34 years now. That's, that's a long time. And he's also one of the most respected film buffs in this industry. He is Greg Cosell. Welcome to the show, Greg. Wow. Quite an introduction. I don't know if I can live up to that, you know? There's nothing that I said there, Greg, that was not true. All of it checks out, and that's why we needed to get you on it with the draft approaching. Well, I appreciate it. It's good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. 30, 34 years. That is amazing. Not to get off track before we even start. No, but I mean, it's, it's very... Well, you know, I started when I was five years old, you know? <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into, because we, we lean on the knowledge of others, especially around this time of year, we're going to just absorb it like a sponge. So we're going to ask you some questions about some guys that I know you've been watching a ton of tape right now. And why don't we, Mark, why don't you get us going? All right, Greg, we, we took a look at an article that you just put out this week on a guy that you seem to be very high on, Logan Thomas. And you wrote that he was the best thrower in the 2014 draft class and in quotes, further along as a natural passer than Cam Newton was at the equivalent point in time. Do you want to just maybe give us an overview on your thoughts on him? Sure. And I would hope that people would read the article because uh, I pointed out a number of concerns with, with uh, Logan Thomas as well. It was not just a puff piece. Uh, I would, one of the points I was making in, in the column was that when Logan Thomas now, what you do is you evaluate let's say when Cam Newton came out of Auburn. And many of the concerns that I have with Thomas, and there are significant concerns, by the way, is that those same concerns everyone felt 
those same concerns when Cam Newton came out. And it was talked about very openly about certain things with, with Cam, but he was viewed because of his size, uh, which is freakish, as is Logan Thomas, and the way Cam naturally threw a ball. Cam has a, has a big, big arm, as does Logan Thomas. So Cam Newton was viewed as a number one pick in a draft, and certainly people respond to outcomes and results. And Cam won a national championship in his one year at Auburn in the in the best conference in the country. So, therefore, Cam was a winner and a special player. And Logan Thomas, who has many of the same physical attributes as Cam, uh, has had struggles throughout his career for any number of reasons, and I mentioned a number of those. And, of course, he's viewed as someone who, until recently, should be changing positions, which is ridiculous, but that's the way he was presented. And you you tend to lean toward – you look for arm talent, and you look for guys who can throw the ball well. Because I, I read what you wrote on Teddy Bridgewater, and it, it seemed to me like you believed he had a lot of the characteristics that you look for in an NFL quarterback, but you questioned whether he has really displayed the arm strength and the overall arm ability that you would want out of a, a top draft pick. So when you're evaluating a guy like, let's say, Logan Thomas versus Bridgewater, how, how do you decide how much to weight things? Well, and that's difficult, which is why the position is people make a lot of mistakes, and including myself. So you just evaluate it uh, the best that you can, and I evaluate it based on, on attributes and traits, what I see. Um, you know, I think Bridgewater is a great example. It, it, there'll be two sides to Bridgewater, and maybe more sides, and that's the way it is when you look at quarterbacks. But on one side, you could say, boy, Bridgewater's really good at a lot of the subtleties of the position. And those are necessary in the National Football League. And actually, I spent a lot of time, uh, it's funny, I spent three paragraphs talking about all the positives with Bridgewater, and nobody talks about that. And then I brought up one thing that's concerning to NFL coaches, and that's all people want to talk about. So there's one part to Bridgewater where you could say he is really advanced in many of the subtle nuances of playing quarterback. And then there's the other part where you could easily say as well, where what is Bridgewater? Bridgewater is a shorter than ideal, smaller than desirable, highly efficient quarterback with no outstanding physical traits. And that description would be very true as well. So where do you draft that guy? Could you compare him to another quarterback that's come out just in not in terms of what their NFL career has looked like but just as as a prospect does he remind you of anyone in terms of how you evaluate him in the last handful of years uh he's probably more fluid uh but i think many of the same things being said about bridgewater and his smarts were said about andy dalton when he came out of tcu hmm. You know, because remember with Dalton, you know, people acknowledge that he didn't have a great arm, but they said really smart kid, understands it, gets it, knows how to play, can run your offense really effectively. A lot of those same things I think were said about Andy Dalton. Yeah, and I when I read your write-up of him, and a lot of it was positive, I, I started thinking Drew Brees a little bit even. Uh, Just in terms of how he was viewed coming out of Purdue. Yeah, and and by the way, Breeze has turned in, obviously, to a a great NFL quarterback, and that's not to say Bridgewater can't turn into a great NFL quarterback, and and he he certainly could. It's just Breeze is a – 
Bridgewater's more fluid. Breeze is a much more explosive athlete. Mm. Breeze is, he's not a runner, Breeze, but Breeze has such explosive lower body movement, and he's a much better thrower than Bridgewater. Even though Breeze does not have a gun the way you think of a gun, he's just a better thrower. Now, I can't specifically remember Breeze when he came out, and I think that was, what, the 2001 draft? Because he was in the Michael Vick draft. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I can't specifically remember how he threw it then, and we know that at times people do change, but the point I made in the column about Bridgewater, I don't think it's purely a function of arm strength. I think it's the way he throws it. Hmm. Now, there could be people who know more than I do who think that's not true, and his arm can get stronger, and that may be the case. Hey, Greg, when you look at the NFL's best wide receivers, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Demarius Thomas, Josh, Josh Gordon, Gordon, we could go on and on. <laughs> These guys are all the biggest receivers in the NFL. How should we factor this in to something like Mike Evans versus Sammy Watkins? Well, Watkins is not small. See, that's the thing. I know what you're asking. Uh, Watkins is is very big in terms of his body type. He's just not as tall, but he's not short. And he's a very physical player and, and, and a velocity player. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's truly a comparison. I know others disagree. Uh, I think I've made the point that Watkins is the best wide receiver to come out since the A.J. Green, Julio Jones class of 2011. Mm-hmm. I've also talked to people in the league who think he's the best receiver to come out since Calvin Johnson. So I think Sammy Watkins is a better receiver than Mike Evans. But size does factor in to the receiver position now because here's how it factors in. The idea of separation, which we've always talked about as critical for receivers, declines in importance when you're talking about size because they can use their big body to shield and to make contested catches. So you don't necessarily have to win with quickness. You don't necessarily have to separate. You can still make catches with your sheer size. I like that you just threw Josh Gordon in there. That was music to Sessler. That was Sessler-like that you just had to get Gordon into the mix. Well, Josh Gordon is, is a stud now. I mean, come on. He had, I mean, he had 1,646 yards last year, by the way. He missed the first two games, and he had a very leaky quarterback situation. Is he the best supplemental draft pick player ever? Ooh. How about Bernie Kosar? Mm. <laughs> there are a lot you of You know who I believe ones. was a supplemental draft pick as well? Kevin Williams, the D lineman Ooh. for Minnesota. Yes, mm-hmm. he was. That's mm. a good one. Um, Greg, let me ask you about another playmaker, North Carolina tight end Eric Ebron. I got sucked into one of those ESPN sports science segments uh, a couple days ago (laughs) where, you know, those things, those are very interesting to watch. And, you know, he kind of came off as Paul Bunyan in that thing. (laughs) They even measured it. He had a greater catch radius than Gronk and, you know, all these other absurd, like, uh, Drago-like measurables. I was curious, is this guy the real deal? Is Is this a star tight end of the next level? How was your catch radius, by the way? Uh, it's about 17 inches, I believe. It's me. It's me. <laughs> well, Ebron is extremely talented uh, when you look at just physical traits. I, uh, there was a particular play this year that if people are not that familiar with him, they can pull up. He had a 71-yard touchdown against the University of Miami where he clearly just looked like a big wide receiver. And he's that kind of guy. And then he moves like that. And you know that's what everybody wants in today's NFL they want a tight end that is essentially a wide receiver in the way he can be deployed because not only does it create matchups for him but it also dictates matchups for all your other receivers so he fits that profile and 
the the added element is that, as I just mentioned, with that touchdown, he can score from pretty much anywhere on the field, which you can't really say about most tight ends uh, with very few exceptions. So he certainly fits that, that mold. We know that in the league now that position uh, is more coveted. So he'll be a high draft choice. Do you think he's a better prospect than, let's say, Eifert was last year coming out? Well, the last two tight ends, I believe, taken in the first round were Eifert and, Jimmy, and Jermaine Gresham. And I believe he's more athletic and, and a better receiving prospect than either one of those guys. Let's uh, flip over to defense for a second. You know, with Khalil Mack, they've whispered about him as a guy that potentially at some point was maybe a number one. You got Clowney in there, too. But looking at Khalil Mack specifically, is there a player in the league today that he – would the average fan out there you could say this kind of this guy plays like someone in today's NFL Ooh, I'm trying to look at the teams I mean I see him as a 3-4 outside linebacker in a base defense and then when you go to your sub package your nickel or dime I see him as a hand on the ground hmm. defensive end pass rusher so who would be like that um, a, young God, Lam- a young Lamar Woodley no, he's a much better athlete than Lamar Woodley. Mm. Woodley was much more of a speed-to-power pass rusher, whereas Mack can bend the edge, uh, and he can get low. Um, and just for the record, guys, I think Mack's a better prospect than Jadavion Clowney. Mm. Um, I can't – looking at the teams, no one immediately comes to my mind right now. So I, I can't – you know, I, I, I would just trying to guess right now. Well, I mean, he has some elements in the way he rushes the quarterback with how low he gets of, of a Robert Quinn-type guy. Mm-hmm. But Quinn's a 4-3 D end, of course. Well, you, since you brought up Clowney, I'm just curious. What, what do you see when you watch Clowney on tape? There's been so much talk about the guy. I mean, he seems to be one of the most polarizing draft prospects in years. Uh, and the reason guys are polarizing is because there's pluses and minuses, guys. That's the reason. It's not because people sit around and make stuff up. It's because they see positive traits and negative traits when they look at him as a prospect. That's what you know. It's the same with Johnny Manziel. That, you know, that's why guys are polarizing. So in the case of Clowney, it's when you watch Clowney play, he's a phenomenal straight line explosive athlete. That's he, he's a straight line explosion player. He's not a natural bender. He's not a natural pass rusher at this point in time. All these things, the bending part may not be able to be taught. Pass rush moves can be taught. Uh, so, you know, when you look at Clowney, if you're going to draft Clowney with the first pick in the draft, then you're basically saying he's going to be a dominant pass rusher. Because you don't draft defensive ends to stop the run with the first pick in the draft. Correct? Right. So, essentially, you're saying he's going to be a great pass rusher. At this point in time, He's much more of an athlete than a pass rusher and a football player. And you're counting on that great athleticism to translate through coaching into becoming a great, great football player and pass rusher. Hey, Greg, I don't want to uh, get your head spinning too much here by asking about the it factor. But uh, <laughs> Oh, you got to have it to play in the National Football League. <laughs> but while we're talking about polarizing... See, I knew and, I was uh, doing your show today, so I made sure I, I, when I left the house this morning, I had it with me. <laughs> Smart. But while we're talking about polarizing and Johnny Manziel, didn't we learn something through uh, Honey Badger last year about natural playmaking ability and how much we might underrate it? 
Well, define natural play. Why are guys natural playmakers? I mean, Tyron Matthew is an incredibly explosive athlete. Uh, so, you know, is he? Again, I don't know how to answer that question. You guy, are you saying guys just make plays because they naturally just make plays? I think wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree that some players have better instincts and that allows them to make plays? Well. In many ways, instincts can be seen on film. It's not it. I mean, I can watch. I remember watching Luke Keekley when he came out of Boston College, and on almost every play, his play recognition was unbelievable. That's what really instincts are, is your ability to recognize and react in a heartbeat. And some guys can do that really well. Some guys can't. That's, that's a noticeable trait on film. Getting back to Mac and Clowney, you're – you're saying he's a little more Clowney's a little more of an athlete right now than maybe a pure pass rusher, which sounds a little bit like Mario Williams coming out. And I think of the Texans with that one pick, and I think of three, four outside linebackers, and it's hard for you to think of a good comp because there's not many out there. I mean, think of free agency this offseason. Right. Jason Worlds is getting paid a lot of money based on six games because there just aren't many of those guys out there. Knowing what you know about Mac's skill set and Romeo Cornell's defense and how it's been used in the past – is there a case to be made Mac as a more natural fit with that kind of defense in Houston? Well, I would I, I would make that case, but, you know, and you know how this goes, guys. Someone listening to this is now going to say, well, you hate clowny. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> you know, uh, Why must the world be negative, Greg? Right, exactly. Um, I think, well, you know, I just think Mac has it, guys, don't you think? There it <laughs> he is. does have it. No, I, I, I think Mac's a, a better prospect than Clowney, it, which is not to say that I don't think Clowney has a chance to be a great player. But I think Mac is a, is a better prospect as we speak today. And I, he'd be a great fit in a pure 3-4 because, as I said, I think his best position in a base defense is outside linebacker in a two-point stance. What is it that you see that you're putting him on – uh, a pedestal, essentially, that he is not just a, a great prospect, but he, he's the type of guy that is so potentially dominant that he could be a number one overall pick type of guy, even out of a small school. Well, let me ask you a question. Would you have asked me that same question about your Davion Clowney, the way you worded it, Greg? No, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have. It's, so, mo- it's uh, more uh, that see, we to don't. Me, I don't care about the noise. I'm just telling you what the film shows. I don't, I have not, it's not putting him on a pedestal. I think when I watch Khalil Mack, I see a really strong, explosive, multidimensional player who's a very good pass rusher, who showed the ability to rush the quarterback in multiple ways, both speed to power and bending the edge, uh, which are two important qualities for pass rushers. Uh, I think he was also used off the ball, which when you look at a linebacker, you want to see how he plays on the ball and off the ball. And I think he acquitted himself very well in both areas. So I think he's a complete prospect. And the key word here, guys, for every one of these players is prospect. I'm not getting the bust ready for Mac for the Hall of Fame. I just think he's the best defensive prospect in this draft. Right. And with him, I think it's more about that the average fan and in for you know, to be honest, all of us, we we want to be educated about what makes this guy because we just haven't heard as much about him over the last yeah, weeks and, and, years. and you know, obviously, unless you play in the SEC, you obviously can't be any good, as we know. So uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's what you get down to. So, like I said, I'm, it's not whether I'm right or wrong; it's merely my evaluation. But I, I'm not dealing with all the noise that's out there. I'm just telling you what the film shows. All right, great. You got two more weeks of this. Are you going to get through this? 
Oh yeah, I love this stuff. <laughs> I believe me. I'm trying. I'm, I'm looking at guys. I, I, this morning I looked at a list, and it's like, oh, I didn't see that guy. You know, there's just there's always a, another guy I really want to see. And you know, guys, you know what I do. I, I'm not looking at highlights. I'm watching every play in a, in games. So when you watch every play, you see so many things that a lot of people don't see when you just put on highlights, whether the highlights are negative or positive. Well, that was a lot of great information from you, Greg, and a great landline connection, too. I just really ah. enjoyed the clarity of the call. We don't get that enough. Well, you know, I guess yeah, that's probably the most important thing, you know, that we had a good connection. <laughs> exactly, on multiple levels. Greg Cosell, thank you very much. Thanks, All Greg. right, guys, thanks. Thank you. All right, well, I thought it was interesting what he had to say about Mac because you have heard a few people take Mac and creep him up there in their mocks to Mike number Mayock. one here and there, Mayock, one guy. I, I thought it was great to hear Cosell's take on that. And, yeah, hey, Cosell is in there, and they're in the NFL Films building. I know they're talking a lot. That's why I wanted to ask him about it. It, it really is from a point of view that we don't know much about. He, we never saw Khalil Mack play at Buffalo, obviously. We kind of want to under, understand why <laughs> why he's that guy. I remember when DeMarcus Ware came out and – People thought, well, he's from Troy. Is a you know is ten or eleven where he was getting rumored? Is that too high to take a guy from Troy? And here's a guy from Buffalo that we're talking about. Maybe goes ahead of Clowney. Doesn't sound like Clowney is the number one pick in uh, in Greg's eyes. Although he doesn't want everyone to just take one negative comedy makes and spin it elsewhere. It sounds like he's in the camp that this guy, you know, he has a lot to prove before people put him in Canton. Lots to prove to you, especially. <laughs> well, especially me. Great to have Greg on. He he would be there in our Hall of Fame of repeat guests. I think we should get Brandon Marshall back on. That would be a, a good yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, you learn things from these people. It's always about learning. Wes, you're a man of books. <laughs> <laughs> Many leather-bound ones. Yes. All right, let's move on. I got a tweet earlier this week, gentlemen, uh, from a fan of ours. Uh, her name is Laura. She lives in Brooklyn. And um, I wanted to get her on the phone. She had a question for the Around the League team. The gold standard behind the glass. Can, can you make this connection happen? Yeah, I'll make that happen. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Happy Friday. I'd like to see this connection happen. Laura, are you there? Yes. All right, this is Laura. Hi, guys. There she Hi, is. Hi, Laura. Hey there. It's always good to hear from the female listeners, uh, <laughs> you know, to get their perspective on things. Laura checked in on Twitter, as I said. And, you know, I thought it was something that rather than just answer on Twitter, I wanted to get her on the line, on the phone to ask that question herself. So I will throw it to Laura, who has a question for the gold standard. Yes, actually. Um, so I tweeted, Dan, because on Monday's episode, you guys were wondering if the gold standard had any fans. And I kind of worried that he felt underappreciated. Um, so I was just tweeting Dan to tell the gold standard that I'm a big fan of him and his work. And actually, my question was, if in the unlikely event that we're ever in the same city, if he'd let me take him on a high-octane sandwich date, maybe. You are the sweetest. You are the sweetest. Of course I'll do that. We got to love that. And this is <laughs> what a day. Wait. What a Friday, Dan. It's Seduction Friday. All right. Ooh, of course, Laura. Thank you so much. Well, and this isn't just, you know, some crazy fan in their basement or something. She is a high octane lawyer. Wow. In Brooklyn, New York. So she's already more successful than you. We That's know this. true. I think we can do a lot with this. Thank you so much. 
Laura, this is what is it about the Gold Center? It's just, it's just his general charm. We were just saying how funny he was earlier. Uh, a handsome man, a soccer fan. It's just basically the whole package. Um, yeah, except he's a Packers fan. But what is your fandom? You know, I can get over that. The Bears. Oh, oh, that's all right. We can work past these things. It's like a cute ESPN. It's good thing Goldsteiner is not on PackersOnly.com. It's yeah, true. exactly. <laughs> Um, well, that's good. So that, but so you're in you're in Brooklyn. Gold standard is currently in California. That to me, that, that's the biggest issue we're dealing with right now. Yeah, I've got yeah. one of these things going on. A... Yeah, Wes is actually in a similar situation. Um, so maybe there's a way. Maybe we could all meet up at Huckapoo's. Yeah, and make this happen. <laughs> that's a great call. Field that's trip a, or a Kickstarter. We yeah, I a think Kickstarter so. fund. Well, if you're ever out in Los Angeles, I think we can find a way to even expense this meal on the company or so- something like that. That's excellent. A high-octane sandwich, Laura and Zach. Well, that's that's what we're going to do. So, Laura, we, we have your number on file. We we are in touch with you, and we're going to make this happen. I think Zach – you should see Zach right now. He I'm seems, blushing. He's literally like blushing. Ne- he is behind the glass, also a little <laughs> shell shocked. Um, yeah, no, it's it's wonderful. Thank you, Laura. I really appreciate it. Let's <laughs> let's grab a sandwich. All right, there it is. All right, a love connection made in the Around the League podcast. Thank you, Laura. No problem. Bye, guys. Bye. Look at that. How you like that, fellas? If this goes the distance, I do want to see the four of us in here lined up as your uh, best groomsmen. Oh uh, yeah. No, no forget Dan's about groomsmen, co-best men across the Ooh. board, <laughs> linked arm in arm. We've never Oofa. actually hung out outside of work, but whatever, just we're there. Uh, and, and that was, uh, I assure you, I had to get a little covert with Zach before the show. He had no idea that no was coming. No idea. No idea. Yeah, he, he was, I told him that it was a phone call for the group, maybe directed at Wes, and it turned out it was not directed at Wes. I, I even asked. I'll him, play the Stooge. I don't care. I even asked. I even asked Zach to pull up some love music to play I was like, underneath. What, what is? You had the worst excuse for that too. What was that? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> you said this was <laughs> for a certain quarterback we talked about today. Oh yeah, that's yeah, a that's a that's, bad lie. But you lie. were so flummoxed that I sent you the cue to play the love music during that phone call. You didn't even see it because you're just yeah. you're a man. You're you're stunned right now. I'm stunned. Can you play that love music? Yeah, for sure. All right. Zach Goldman and Laura from Brooklyn. High octane sandwiches. To a life of jurisprudence together. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like your barber, Dan. I know. Uh, Camille, he's a good man. All right, before we go, one last thing. Uh, another tweet. This one, I will not put anyone on the phone. No one's going to be asked out. Uh, Pedro uh, at the real Pedge 7 asks a great question to you, Chris Wessling. Based on your on our most recent podcast, where you said that Eli Manning, excuse me, where you said RG three, you were absolutely certain he would be the comeback player of the year. Pedro asks, would you be able to? Would you be willing to put a softball pants bet that he will be comeback player of the year? Are you that certain that I mean, you would eat your softball pants if he if RG three is not named comeback player of the year? I am so certain that I will give this serious thought and have Ooh. an answer on the next podcast. Wow, I'm a little surprised, I have to say. It's going to happen. It might not be the same chances of the Raiders winning fewer than six games last year. Not even close. RG3 is going to happen. This is a death wish. The only reason I wouldn't make Shut this up, bet. Greg. The only reason I wouldn't make this bet is because another injury could happen. Right. And and to your point, 
I think that RG3 is such a popular player. I think there's a lot of people rooting for him. Um, so I do think if he does have that bounce back year, barring you know Marcus Lattimore running for 1,200 yards or something, I think popular sentiment is going to lift RG3. So all he has to do is play well, and I think the award is his. And you're confident that's going to happen. Oh, we don't need popular sentiment. He's going to earn this straight up. It was Dan's Oofa. long way of saying he wants you to eat softball pants. I know. <laughs> He's no, trying to trick you. I don't want you to eat softball pants, but I want you to have this on the line because the people love it. People love the softball pants. There will be other things to put the softball pants on the line for. Oh, so you're saying you're not going to take the bet now. I think the injury factor is too much to overcome when I think about eating yards of uh, nylon and cloth. <laughs> and zipper. Zipper. We, we've got Other a long time before parts. the season starts. Well, just if you wouldn't mind, just kind of before making your formal decision, maybe give it a night, and, and Monday you'll decide for certain. I'll sleep on it. All right. Thank you, Pedro. That is a, That was a great suggestion. All right. We've got to get out of here. Uh, we will be back on Monday. It will be our last week, full week of podcasts before the NFL draft. And uh, so we'll be doing plenty of uh, talk about the draft coming up and anything else that's happening in the NFL. But until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, and the gold standard in love behind the glass. Until Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.